Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another opportunity to hear your truth, to encourage each other, to go through your word, to know that we are walking circumspectly, walking according to the gospel and not according to how we feel about the gospel. We thank you for the favor that you've given us, the grace and mercy. We thank you for the healings. We thank you for sending your angels as a constant encampment around us. We know that we don't deserve the things that we have. We don't deserve the love that you've given us. But because you are the God of love, you continue to show your love throughout our days and throughout our even our hard times. You're constantly there providing a way, making a way. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for using us. And we pray for all those who don't know you. We pray that they will open their hearts, that they will come to know you. Those who are backslidden, that they will turn from their ways and return to you. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Lucia the Christ, we pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about exposing false doctrine and the need for it, the reason we need to do it. You know, everybody's not on the same level when it comes to the faith. Everybody's not a teacher or a preacher. They don't have access to every per, everybody that speaks contrary to the word of God. However, it is the responsibility of every believer to not find themselves walking tied to or part of some type of false doctrine. And we have to understand what a false doctrine is. It simply goes to say, a doctrine that doesn't align totally with the word of God. It's a teaching that has just even the slightest variation or a teaching that has maybe a wide range of understandings. That is a, a false doctrine. And why should we as believers expose false doctrine? Because the truth is, if we are out preaching, evangelizing, witnessing, and our doctrine is not according to the Bible, and we are very well leading people down a path they should not go. We are sending them somewhere that God has not called them to. Salvation obviously is the fundamental, the basis, the overall message of the gospel. It is being saved from the wrath of God, eternal fire. And unfortunately, there's many preachers and ministers all throughout the world who brings doctrine that is inconsistent to the word of God. And this is nothing new. This didn't happen here in America. It didn't happen in 2020 when the world shut down. This doctrine has been going on even when the apostles first walked the earth. This is why Jude chapter one, verse three, he says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who have turned the grace of God into lewdness and deny our only Lord God and our Lord Yahushua the Christ. So listen, Jude knew back then, they had this going on way back in the, in the first century church of ungodly men, false teachers, false prophets, False leaders of the faith were coming forth with the twisting of the gospel, the twisting of grace, of what Christ actually did and what the meaning of walking with him is. And he said that it is more important for him, though he wanted to write about salvation, it was an urgent need to tell the believers to fight 
earnestly for the faith, not just show up and say, you know what, that's not the right doctrine. Uh, I'm going to pray for you and move on somewhere else, or I'm just going to let it pass because maybe you had missed something or whatever the case may be. He said, fight. He said, contend, go against false doctrine. Because when false doctrine goes into the world, the people of the world have a false understanding of who the Messiah is and what we are supposed to do when we come into the faith. And we see this today. We see many people talk about how you have to go to the doctor to get checked or treated for whatever condition may be, because at the end of the day, the healing power of God does no longer happen as it used to in the first century church. There aren't many signs, wonders, and miracles. You know why? Because God gave men the mentality, uh, the science, the, the, the education to create medicine and all this advanced um, technology to treat conditions. But here's the thing. When you look at the ministry of Christ, he didn't treat a single condition. He didn't prescribe any medication. He simply spoke or he touched or he uh, prayed and the healing took place. The, the change happened and they weren't given, hey, you know what? You're doing better now. Now take this for six weeks and you should be good to go after that. It was on the spot. And now people will say, well, you know what? That was Christ. He was the son of God. He was uh, had the spirit of God that came on him without measure. And that is true. However, his disciples, his who became apostles of the faith, did the same thing he did later on. Now, I want to tell you, in this present age, there are people experiencing the same miracles, wonders, healings, that happened when Christ and the first apostles walked the earth. What we see today in most church institutions and around the world is uh, the false understanding of these signs, wonders, and miracles. And they're not uh, polarized, if you will. It's not popular. They're not on the main, even the Christian network, CBN, TBN, whatever the case may be. You don't hear testimonies. You don't hear these different things because at the end of the day, there is a false gospel that exists among many who say they follow Christ. So Jude tells us we have to fight for the faith. So here recently, I was uh, looking for, uh, I was, the Holy Spirit led me to write an article about seeker-friendly churches. And, and basically what that is, is those churches that are, they actually go out to the community or even among their own churches, they do surveys and they ask the community or the congregation, what is it that you want to hear? Uh, what do you want to uh, be preached to you? What type of preacher do you want? And when they complete these surveys, they typically go out um, after the survey is completed. They use these surveys to basically build their church. Now, most church institutions, especially the mega churches, they've already grasped the understanding of what people really want to hear. That's why they're so big. And that's why they continue to grow, because people want to hear uh, things that are not uh, biblically. You know, the, the Bible tells us that there will be a falling away. We live in that season now. There will be a, a those who will decide to go after a multitude of teachers to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And it ultimately comes down to their desires, what they want to hear to appease themselves as in a sense of checking the box. I went to church. I got this great message. Now my conscience is at rest. Um, and again, that is the false doctrine. So when I was looking for um, this, when I was writing this article, I was looking for a different 
names for seeker friendly church, just so I can make sure that, you know, people who may not understand that particular term would, would have a different term would be able to say, okay, yes, this is what he's talking about. And as I did that, I came across a, a YouTube video, uh, a snippet of a conference that a pastor by the name of John MacArthur was preaching at. Well, it was more so a preacher. It was like a panel discussion. There were about five gentlemen up there and they were talking about seeker friendly churches and how it shouldn't be. And it all, for the most part, made, made sense until I hear John MacArthur say something that just in my spirit, before I went and checked the scriptures, didn't line up correctly. So I obviously went to the word of God and I looked and I said, this is not, not only is what he's saying uh, incorrect, it was blaspheming of how the Holy Spirit and Christ operated and, and the apostles during the time that they were on the earth. So I, I did a YouTube video and an article about it to expose him, to expose what he's saying, because if you ever experienced a miracle, particularly a miracle dealing with health issues. Uh, I myself have experienced that when I was a, a toddler. I was on my deathbed and, and you know, my mom, the doctors, and no one could figure out what was going on. The doctor literally went home and uh, she prayed with the prayer partner and came from my deathbed, obviously, obviously to hear, but it was nothing but a miracle from God. There was no other medication or any kind of treatment. But if you listen to what John MacArthur says, then you would believe uh, if you don't know any better or have not experienced a, a miracle, you would say, well, you know what? That's the reason why we don't have miracles in churches anymore. So I obviously in exposing him, I wrote up some details about what he said and presented the truth. And I can tell you a lot of people were upset. I got a lot of negative responses saying that that's not what he said. He didn't mean it this way. Or, you know, it's a it's a little twist of the scripture I would one person even said I would take John's doctrine over anyone else's. And at the end of the day, there's only one doctrine, and that's the entire unadulterated word of God. It doesn't include anyone's perspective or what they think about God's word. So I'm gonna play this uh short, it's about a minute and twenty second uh clip of what he said, and, and that way, and then I'm gonna show you what the scripture says, and we're gonna look at this how do we um, stand against, expose and stand against these false doctrines. The church was born on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 believers are added to the 120 in the upper room, and they gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, prayers, and fellowship. That's the church. And the Lord added daily to the church those that were being saved. They were doing miracles. They were doing miracles, rapid-fire miracles, the healing of the lame man and other miracles. And that attracted the people. That was attracting the people to the church. Uh, you might say that's a good thing. No, the Lord had to put a halt to that. The Lord himself had to stop unbelievers from rushing into the miracle-producing church. So what he did was kill two people at the offering. He, he literally killed publicly Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias, they were that morning, he dropped dead because he lied to the Holy Spirit about how much money he actually gave off the sale of a piece of land. Three hours later, when his wife showed up, when she shows up, the people come, the boys, young boys coming in from burying the husband, pick her up and bury her. And it says in Acts 5, none dared join himself to them. 
the Lord shut the door in the book of Acts on unbelievers rushing into the church for the signs and wonders. The Lord shut the door in the book of Acts on unbelievers rushing into the church for the signs and wonders by frightening them about the holiness of that place. So this is what John has said regarding what happened in Acts when Ananias and his wife died, who they both lied to the Holy Spirit about the money they made off of a land. And, you know, Peter questions both of them. He gives them each an opportunity to confess. They refuse. They, they still want to lie. And they were killed right there on the spot. Um, and they were buried right, right after they um, died. And this is found in Acts chapter 5 verse uh, 9, and, and where he discusses this, it starts actually at verse 1, it goes to verse 9, and what John is saying is that because they lied to the Holy Spirit, it terrified the people so much that they refused to join, go into the church, be a part of the believers, and God stopped the miracle work and power of uh, basically the Holy Spirit because of unbelievers rushing into the church looking for miracles. Now, I want to tell you before I even read what the scripture actually says, this is complete unbiblical falsehood. This is alive from hell. This has, this is, you're basically saying the Holy Spirit no longer operates if that's what you say, if you, that's what you believe. And as I said before, a lot of people were upset. I myself have experienced the Holy Spirit moving in a way to, for not just the physical healing, but uh, for mental uh, healing, for you name it. I mean, when it comes to knowing what to say, how to speak, how to preach, I sometimes I get on these calls, or sometimes I get into these um, these these messages, and I don't know what to say. And I say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And boom, just like that, He gives me a word. To, to bring forth. And it's always aligning with the word of God. It's not something that I've come up with. But in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, this is what happened immediately after uh, the Ananias and his wife was killed. It says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of them dared to join them. But the people esteemed them highly. So he's saying, yes, they didn't want to join them, but they extend them highly. They didn't go anywhere. Now, here's what happens right after this. In verse 14, it says, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, so that they were brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on the beds and the couches at, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some. And the great multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing the six people and all those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they all were healed. Now, what happens here is completely contrary to what this pastor says, but yet people refuse to study the word for themselves. They love this pastor and his doctrine. They defend him rather than the gospel. This is how you know the word of God is true. Paul said these times were coming. He told us that this, these things would happen. Christ said in Matthew 24, when the disciples wanted to know what things would look like before he arrived, he said that beware of false Christ, false messiahs, false saviors, people who will come to you with false information saying, I have the way. I'll tell you why there's no more miracles. 
He's John basically saying, I'm going to tell you why there, I don't operate in the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Why I don't have any signs and wonders other than my hundred plus million dollar net worth, my big mansion, my wealthy uh, educational Bible book system, and my own personal Bible that I sell to people. His personally designed Bible that he has of what he believes the Bible says that you can purchase a study based on his knowledge. This is why we have to contend for the faith. We have to fight for the faith. This is not some type of suggestion or recommendation. This is the truth. This is what we need to do in order to ensure that when we are walking as the disciples, as Christ's um, chosen, we are walking according to the true doctrine. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, he said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Laconium and Lystra. Paul says that to Timothy, that he had a reflection of what it meant to be a follower of Christ. He, he said his doctrine, the doctrine that he that he shared aligned with what Christ shared, his manner of life. How did Paul actually live? He wasn't a multimillionaire. He didn't have lavish uh, material possessions. What he had was a job and he paid for his own bills and he supported the people of the church. And he said his purpose, what was, what was Paul's purpose? His purpose was simply that he went out and did the will of God. He wasn't liked just like Christ, he was forsaken by people as he got towards the end. He, but he was narrow in his walk. He he made sure that his behavior was consistent with the life of Christ, carrying his cross and his faith. Paul's faith wasn't just, "Hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Messiah, and uh, one day I'm going to go to heaven." His faith was exemplified through his works. Paul didn't just, there was a man when Paul was preaching, fell, uh, I think it was three stories and he died. The people were crying and whining. Paul pretty much told him, cut that out. Went over there, laid over the person and, and they and healed him. And they came back to life. His faith was his way of life. He carried out what he believed. And his long suffering, Paul was patient. He was able to endure. He had love. He persevered. He was going through persecutions. You look at many of these preachers today who say they're anointed, they're called by God, who are defended by so many people who want to live in this world and not live in heaven. And you, you'll see that they don't have any persecutions. They'll show up on news channels and they'll show up in different places with the world and they're laughing, they're happy, they're joking, and they're not sharing the truth. They're, they're talking about stuff that fits the crowd, that fits the uh, the atmosphere, rather than what they ought to share in order to help people not only um, turn from their sins, but to walk as if they do follow the true Christ. And he was afflicted. Paul wasn't just, you know, he, his life wasn't just so smooth sailing. He went through a lot of things. This is how you know uh, who one of the biggest ways to know just right off the bat, if you're looking at a false teacher, a false prophet, evangelist, or whoever they may be, look at their lifestyle, how they're living their lives. People say, well, you know, what's wrong with having wealth? 
What's wrong with being rich? Well, where is your heart at? Where, what are you trying? What are you building? What are you looking to accomplish? Let's look at Paul's life. What was he looking to accomplish? Paul was well known when he was a persecutor, when he was Saul of, Ta- of Tarsus, and he was a well-known apostle when he finally was accepted into the faith, when they recognized that he was not uh, a persecutor of the Christians anymore. But he could have transferred that lifestyle that he lived as a persecutor of the believers into his lifestyle of being an apostle. But that's not the route he took. He took a route of saying, this world does not belong to me. I have a better home. I have something I'm looking forward to. That is where I am going. That is the mentality that I have. Because we don't have this type of teaching, we don't have this type of reassurance uh, through scripture in most church institutions, people don't believe that they have to obey the commandments of God. They believe this false idea of grace that we can do as we want. We could walk any kind of way and say what we want to do. And uh, John tells us in 1 John chapter 2, uh, verse 24, he says, therefore, let us ab- let that abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the son and in the father. And what we heard from the beginning, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and all the other 10 commandments. And it says in verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised to us, eternal life. But see, we skipped over 25, in essence, throughout most church institutions. And we got all the way over to, uh, we skipped 24 and we got to 25 where it says, oh, there's the promise you have eternal life. I I deal with a lot of uh, people today who say they believe in Jesus Christ and they will take scriptures and they will basically paste and copy or use that one scripture and create their doctrine to say, I don't have to obey the commandments of God because grace is just so amazing. A gentleman told me that today. He said, you know, uh, we're, I'm preaching a whole new gospel or a wrong gospel. He said, once Christ came, that did away with obedience to, to his commands because now we have grace. I mean, I, I can't even make this stuff up. This is biblical truth being presented to us in this very hour of people being deceived. In verse 26, John says, these things I have written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. All right. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you that you do not need anyone to teach you. But that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the most shade away or have taught, or just completely out of character taught uh, truth in the Bible. The essence of the Holy Spirit is so that we can walk according to the truth. There is no, if you go back and you look at the Old Testament, you will see that the Spirit of God came on prophets. It came on the leaders of the Old Testament. But there were certain people who refused to obey, and the Spirit of God was no longer effective in their life. And we look, we see the same thing today. The spirit of God doesn't make a person do anything. It doesn't make you understand. It doesn't make you obey. It's a yielding that we have to have in order to do what we're supposed to do so we can walk according to the truth. And in John chapter two, verse one, he writes to um, an elder that's a lady. And he says, you know, I re- in verse four, he says, I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in truth as we have received commandment from the Father. 
And now I plead to you, lady, not that through the, not though I write you a new commandment to you, but that which you have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. Said so this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is his commandment that you have heard from the beginning. You should walk in it. Okay, that's love. And this is the this is what love actually looks like. It's being obedient to the commandments that we were given from the beginning. In verse seven, he says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not profess Yahushua the Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things which we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. Well, I can tell you there's a lot of people who don't want to hear anything about the word work in the Bible. They want to they want to use the scripture that says that we were justified by faith alone and not works. Yet here is John who walked with Christ telling an elder, a lady, that uh, we need to be mindful of how we walk so that we don't lose the things we work for. Okay. And verse nine, he says, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. But he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the father and the son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares his evil deeds. Now, that's a very, very powerful statement there. That, that's one that has been taken lightly for decades. We say, well, you know what? I understand Christ is about love. He sat among people who were sinners and he didn't uh, kick anybody out of the group. We take the scriptures has been taken and manipulated to justify why people sit around other people of completely contrary doctrine and don't do anything about it. I was watching one of these interviews or discussions by the I think it's the director of the TV show, The Chosen. And I used to watch the show a little bit until I found out that what he's doing is completely unbiblical. He was sitting amongst other people of different doctrines, different faiths. And they started off talking about how, you know, at the end of the day, this is what Jesus Christ wanted. He wanted us to come together and we all unite and share and discuss and things like that. Uh, that's not what he wanted. He wanted us to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. So this show that is very popular now, especially when we're living in such a chaotic world, people are looking for answers. So they pop on the chosen because it talks about Christ and the disciples. And he is he is using universalism to appease the crowd, to draw in more people to help the show build. And that is obviously, according to what John is saying here, a complete contrary doctrine, something that we're not supposed to do. They take scripture and they twist it and they put some to the side and they, you know, they kind of not really talk about a certain few scriptures. And then they say, OK, good. Now we have what people want to hear. But in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, Paul tells him, he says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuke, correction and the training of righteousness. Right. All scripture, every bit of it, not how we feel about it, not what we think about it, but all of the scripture is supposed to be used. So at the end of the day, we are walking as he has called us to. We, are, we can see falsehood. We have the knowledge of what a lie is according to the Bible, and we are obedient to contend for the faith. 
that we don't just sit back and enjoy the ride and say, well, you know, it's okay because, you know, everybody makes mistakes and God is good and all these different things that we have learned to tell ourselves about wrong teachings to help appease how we feel rather than what we ought to do. And when Paul writes the Ephesians in chapter five, in verse eight, he says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruits of the spirit in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the fruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things which are, are exposed are made manifested by the light, that whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, wake, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. In verse 15, it says, And see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the Lord's will is. We have to know his will. And his will is throughout the entire word of God. It's not the part that makes us feel good. It's not the part that, you know, we can kind of pass to the side because it doesn't seem like it's something that's operating among many church institutions today. What John MacArthur said, and what a lot of these preachers say, who have the ear of many people, are scriptures, statements, or phrases that do not match the word of God. John says, do not accept that into your home. He said, if you do, you share in the deeds, the evil deeds of that person. And that's not something that we should ever take lightly. If we do, then that means at the end of the day, we're not serious about our walk with Christ. We are comfortable to just say, you know, it's okay because uh, he's been preaching for 40 years. So sometimes we make mistakes. God's word don't make a mistake. And when you look at any of the people he has ever called, ever, in scripture, not one person have to repent because they said something that God didn't say, but they said he said it. They didn't have their own version of the word. There were times they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to go forward with it like Elijah or uh, uh, the prophet um, that was swallowed up in the well. Can't think of his name right now. Um, but he, he, he didn't want to go forward and speak to the people he said because they wasn't going to listen to him. But he, when he went to talk, he repented and he went. He didn't go with his own version. He didn't make it nice and sweet and, and clean it up a little bit or alter some things so that the people can accept what he has to say. Everyone that God has called, he has called and they have came forth and spoken his truth, spoken it in a way that there, there was no need to repent or, you know, it was no questioning what they say. But now we live in the season as prophesied to come where many people say they are followers of the true Messiah and yet they have alterations to his word. And at the end of the day, the reason they alter his word is so that it will justify why they do or do not do certain things, such as healings, such as when it says, if anyone is sick, go to the elders and anoint their head with oil and pray the prayer of faith and the, and they should be whole. He said the prayer of a righteous man availed much. The fervent prayer, hot prayer, that prayer that is, I'm all about trying to get you out of this situation that you're in. But, you know, churches drive through today. Is go in, grab that meal that you like and roll out. And if you show up to your favorite church slash restaurant and they're not serving their meal anymore, then you go find you one that serves your meal. Falsehood. Falsehood all the way around the corner. 
And we have to know this because in the day, God will hold every one of us accountable for what we do not do regarding to regarding the word of his word. There is no way to get around it. Once we come into this faith, now we're accountable. This is why the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The knowledge is right in front of us. The knowledge is made known by the Holy Spirit. We don't, we're no longer left at the mercy of a pastor or a preacher or what we ought to know. Should we have uh, overseers and preachers and those who come and teach the word of God? Absolutely, because they are shepherds of the flock that helps, keeps us in line to say, listen, that walk that you're walking is in accordance with scripture. And we tell the truth about things the right to their face, not that hide around the corner, wait for the right opportunity over some coffee and a donut. But we tell them right up front, look, that's not what God's going to accept. He's not going to, that's not according to scripture. And that's the purpose of having the leaders of the church. Not so that you can come into church, grab your coffee, sit down and enjoy the show, you know, and scroll through your phone and all sort of kind of stuff. That's why there's no power in churches. That's why they will tell you immediately, hey, listen, if you're going through something, check with your doctor or let's go see a counselor. We have all this psychology in church institutions now and no power, no power whatsoever that takes people outside of the problem by healing, by speaking the truth over them. When Paul, excuse me, when Peter um, came, when when they brought all the people to Peter after uh, Ananias was, was killed, his spirit, he was so filled with the spirit and the healing power of, of God that his shadow was over. They wanted at least his shadow to come over him. But, you know, you tell somebody that today, they say, well, hey, now that happened, that stopped back with the second or third uh, century church. It doesn't happen today anymore. Then that would make God a liar. What will be the point of the Holy Spirit then? But we have to know this truth because some of us are living sick, broke, depressed, angry, suicidal, frustrated, got kids running all kind of wild, all these things we got going on in our life because we don't even understand the truth of the Holy Spirit and what we are commanded to do according to the problems we come up against. Some of these people, even through social media, I rebuke in the name of the Messiah. I don't say, when I realize when he makes known to me what these people want, what their intentions are in the day to try to cast evil spells and lies over me, I rebuke him right there. Some of them I got to rebuke more than once and speak the truth. Some of them take off running, but either way it go, I'm going to keep, uh, I, I, I do this because I'm I'm not going to, you know, play around with the enemy. We've, we've done that too long. We've played church too long and we are living, we don't even look like we believe in Jesus Christ. When we talk about what he did and how he walked, many of us don't even reflect him because we are doing the same thing the world is doing. You get sick, you run to a doctor. You got depression, you get Prozac. You got all these things, and somebody on the outside will look in and say, well, you tell me, what is the point of me serving your Jesus, your Christ, your Yahushua, and you show up to the same doctor I go to? We both got the same therapist. We both going through the same government counseling system. We have to be separate from this world, and it starts with what we believe about the gospel. Now, if you have a false doctrine, if you have a doctrine such as the one you've heard today with John MacArthur, then you're not going to come out of the world. You're going to say, well, you know what? There are no more healing powers according to what this preacher who is very prominent says. We're going to believe that. And then we're going to live a lie and be defeated. I can imagine how many people who said they believe in the healing power of Christ 
all the way up until that last time where they figured, oh, there are no more answers from the doctor, threw away their faith and succumbed to whatever the enemy brought upon them. This is the season for complete obedience because the enemy is going to come in with greater deception than ever before. I never would have thought that I'd be living in a time to see so many people run into hiding because of a COVID scare 19 pandemic thing, something they can't even see. And when they find out now, all of the stuff is a lie. You have the people who who are now asking for amnesty about COVID, the, the whole pandemic, because the truth is coming out now of what it really was and how vaccines were never tested against whatever they said was out there. And yet before all this occurred, people went running, looking for man for answers. Even people who say they believe in the creator, they went to the creature and succumbed to what the enemy had planned for the longest time. We need to be victorious if we are walking in Christ, if we believe in the Messiah. We can't be walking defeated and then try to be a witness of him too. That's not being a witness. And when we come up against or we get, we hear these false teachers, these false doctrines, and it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it is a prominent preacher, the one on the corner, the one we knew for a long time, or even anything I say. We need to get the truth of God's word, align it, what's heard to the truth. And when we find out if it's not the truth, that needs to be rebuked. It needs to be exposed because God's word is what matters, not what someone else says who claims to be, or maybe they are. Maybe they were very well a very um, a faithful preacher at some point. But let's look back over the history of the Bible. There are plenty of faithful people of God who strayed away. It wouldn't be no, it'd be obviously more today because we live in the end times. We live in the last days. This is the new covenant. This is a whole new era of deception, falsehood, and you name it. So I want to encourage you to know the word of God and be bold about it know the truth and stand on the truth, allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. I am 100% confident that everything we come up against, everything we endure, the Holy Spirit already has a way for us to navigate it effectively. God is too wise. He is too phenomenal to let us just come up against something and just be outright defeated. The Holy Spirit was sent to empower us so that we can be witnesses all over the world, to be a witness every single place we put our feet, because the goal is, again, salvation. That's the opportunity that is laid before us all. But if we believe that because we simply said Jesus and we don't continue in the doctrine, grace is good and we'll get to heaven, then unfortunately we have been deceived. There's too many warnings in the scripture from everyone who wrote from Christ forward uh, that tells us that's not the truth. So let's be obedient in this season. The Holy Spirit is here in us who have been baptized in him and received him, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit to help navigate us through every lie the enemy will try to bring our way. Our faith should rest in, in the Almighty and that's it. No one else and nothing else. Then Christ can use us. The Holy Spirit can lead us and we could be proof everywhere we go that he is the true living God. His son is the only one 
by which man can be saved. And the Holy Spirit is the only teacher, the true teacher and confirmer of all that is written in scripture and what the Father wants us to know. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for blessing us, for keeping us. I thank you for shining down upon us. I thank you for allowing us to have your truth, your word, to be able to stand against false doctrines, false preachers and teachers, to be able to walk fearlessly, to do as you commanded us to do, to stay away from the lies, and to be able to be the light that you've called us to be, to shine against every wicked, unlawful, and unrighteous work of the enemy. We thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross, and the Holy Spirit you provide for us to know and do, to be able to do all that you command us to do. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Yahushua, we pray. Amen.